Yeah, I mean, yeah, let, let's stop talking about it. And let's just do it. As we did Pooh Bar. All right, man, what's going on? Hey, Steve, how you doing today? Good, dude. Hey, Eric, we're going to give some people something here, man. Bud Dwyer. I, I haven't always been interested in this, but since you've been mentioning it over the past few weeks, um, and the more I've learned, even though it, it's substantially not as much as what you know since you did the research, uh, dude, this is a very, very interesting thing that could, you know, go so many ways. And, you know, my question is always why? Well, let's get into this guy's background for a second, right? Bud Dwyer, a lot of people may not know this, but this is a state representative of Pennsylvania, a state senator, and the Pennsylvania state uh, state treasurer. He also put a pistol in his mouth and shot himself through his mouth in live TV. Ridiculous. It, in the last, I, if, I, if I remember correctly, the last two and a half years of his political career, before that it was like, what, 25, 23 to 25 years in you know government service since he was a young lad. And then the last two and a half years, it all went. Yeah, well, this is where it gets crazy, man. Let's get a little bit in his humble background. So, you know, Bud and his sister, they grew up actually on a little tiny farm in uh, Crawford County, Pennsylvania. And if you look at a map, it's like, you know, Google Earth, man. It's like a a half an inch, quarter inch to Lake Erie. So, you know, damn near Canada, man. And I did, I did a little bit of research about Crawford County. There's some famous tag-on people that come out of Crawford County, man. President. Uh, yeah, McKinley came out of it. The guy, the uh, guy who invented the typewriter, Amos uh, Densmore, and the infamous Clark Gable. Hey, anything with Clark is good. So, this little tiny town, you know. One of the things, though, he, I mean, you know, you gotta think back in the in the that time, they, you know, a little tiny farm. They weren't making a lot of money. The good thing, though, his dad had a job other than just being a straight farmer. Bud was even a habit gun lover. He got a brand new shotgun as a child, and his sister says they would have to eat a lot of squirrel and rabbit, which you'd always have to tongue the meat, make sure you get the buckshot yeah. out. Yeah, I have experienced that time to time. <laughs> even though the, he grew up, I wouldn't say poor, but on the lower scale, uh, he was a great student. After high school, he went and got his bachelor's uh, degree in political science and then went on and got a master's degree in education. So this is a smart guy. By no means a loner. No, certainly not. While he was in college, though, he became a student teacher. Then all sorts of other things happened. But before that, while, while he was in school, he got this opportunity to go to Poland, right? This is something right. Crawford County was doing. He went to Poland and spent the summer there in 1963, and he started seeing how communism worked. I mean, we we got to remember this is the t- the time of the Cold War. Berlin Wall was going up, East versus West. The Russians still controlled a large part of Germany. Poland was still having problems. A lot of things. Everybody was just kind of getting over the war still. I mean, it was only a couple years later, right? So he's he starts right. thinking. This communism thing is crap. Well, we have democracy, man. That's what's important. And he's already an educated dude. And then he sees all this. So he comes back home and he starts talking about democracy. And he starts really getting into politics. So he goes to his uh, student 
or he was a student teacher at the time too. And he goes to that guy. Fred Mc. Yeah, Fred McKillop, yeah. He looks at him, he goes, Hey, you're gonna be my campaign manager. And the the best part the dude's like, Oh, how do I do that? <laughs> yeah, he had no idea. So Bud gives him a book. Yeah, a book. <laughs> it's titled How to Run a Campaign. <laughs> That's amazing. So why is at this school though too? He also meets his soon to be wife Joanne Grappy. So that's that's important too. So I mean he's got all these different things going on in his life. And he said he wanted to run for office. He got on with Fred and he wanted to run for the General Assembly. So now he's married at this point to Joanne who he had met in school and he gets married and they go just walking down the street and Fred had or excuse me Bud had this weird thing he would hand out um, women nail files and he would hand match book, uh, books to the men well I mean it weird but it, considering the time and the era you know what a better way smoking for men was still a a very social and acceptable thing and what woman doesn't want to file her nails down? I mean, there weren't nail salons. Yeah, that's a true statement too, yeah. Yeah, and I'm assuming that they had, you know, his logo, Vote Bud or Vote Dwyer or whatever, for General Assembly. Right. Well, damn it, he won. He, he won the win. election. They get a phone call. Fred answers the phone. Is at Dwyer headquarters. They said, hey, you won. Fred turns and looks at Bud and says, you won. Bud turns and looks at his wife and says, what do we do now? His wife says, I guess you go to Harrisonburg. So that's what he did. Wow. From going from a high school student, going off, getting a couple of degrees, and then learning about communism and democracy and falling in love with politics, he just took it and just ran with it. You know, Fast forward years later, he ran for Senate, won, and then... Uh, got elected in 74 and 78, and then, you know, he wanted to do something different. Uh, and, and then in 1980, so this is going from 1964 into 1980 when he became the treasurer and was elected the treasurer of uh, Pennsylvania. Right. Wow. This is This is where things take a turn for the worse, man. He, uh, he did win. And he became treasurer. And there, his um, the the guy before him, one of the guys that worked there, Vince Yakovics. He was a chief deputy counsel for the treasury. Yakovics. Yakovics. Yeah, you could say it again. Yakovics. Thank you. Uh, no problem. He said all hell broke loose at this time. This is where we get into politics, man. <clears throat> And how shady it really is. Yeah, I mean, from my, I mean, from my standpoint, from what I've read, it's like Jesus, really. Even, even if this had nothing to do with Bud's death, if it was just this one little teeny tiny part, it's still corruption, isn't it? I would think so, and and it's hard to look, even if it didn't, considering as we go on and we reveal ties to this and this and that. How can it not be? This, yeah, this is. I mean, th there's nothing that you can physically look at and say that's tied into this. But you're gonna get this feeling here in a second. I hope you do anyway. I mean, I did. I did as soon as I read it. I was like, uh, Are you kidding me? I mean, really? Seriously? Okay. So now here we go. You ready? 
I'm ready. Governor Dick Thornburg. I is here with my main man, Governor Dick Thornburg. What is legal? Most conduct that all of us engage in on a day-to-day basis is legal. What is illegal is what the elected representatives of the people define as crimes. When is it legal to murder someone? Never, because murder is a defined term. Murder is, means a willful, premeditated killing. He was the governor at the time for Pennsylvania. He goes to Germany, which you, everybody should. It's a lovely country. It, it, it's beautiful. Go there, people. Go there. Go to Swebel, Germany. Swebel Don't was brought in. And so he goes there, and he's going there for political reasons. What that reason is, I don't know. And he takes his wife with him, right? And then when he gets back, he puts in his travel expenses. Now, I think this is a pretty typical thing for you pay with your credit card. If you're there on an actual function of the government, you should be reimbursed for it, right? Right, absolutely. The problem was he took his wife. And on his travel expenses, he put, and her name, by the way, is Guinea. I just right. want to say that, Guinea Thurnborough. Yeah. Guinea. So he put the cost of her airfare there and back for Guinea for the amount of $1,680 on this expense report. He wanted to be reimbursed for his wife's travel. But only, but it, it, this is where I get hazy. I, I don't mean to interject. Um, so everything else that he turned in prior, expenses, food, tra- you know, whatever, was covered. The stay, this, this, that, and that. But from, from what I have read, that the only thing that he turned in for her, basically, was the flight cost. Well, here, here's the deal with that. Like, you go to a hotel, right? He's going to stay in a hotel. Right, obviously. And if she stays with him, does that change the cost of the hotel? I, I guess I wouldn't. I guess I wouldn't. So, I mean, who would know? That's what I'm. Who would know that somebody else was there? Yeah. Good that's point. what I'm saying. So, the rest of it, I don't recall any food expenses, but like hotel cost, he would have been there and she could have. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, he would have been there anyway. So. But the $1,680, that's a substantial amount of money. Bud was treasurer at this time. Bud Dwyer. What's the guy's name you said? Vince Yakowitz. Yakowitz. He was the chief deputy counsel. Thornburg went to Germany, and he takes his wife, which is fine. If you're getting a room, you don't say, divide it in half for my wife. You get a room, and you can put that through on the expense account. But then Thornburg also submitted Ginny's airline ticket to be paid. And the treasurer publicly said, I'm not paying for their trip, which infuriated the governor. So Bud... Vince, and then everybody else. Right. Well, one of these everybody else's come to Vince. Minion. A minion, yeah. Comes to Vince with this expense report and says, hey, Vince, hey, hey look at this. Governor Dick Thurnborough put down the plane cost for his wife. That's not allowed, is it? And Vince was a chief deputy. Vince says, no, it's not allowed. And the, uh, the minion says, well, should I cover it up? Or He goes, no, that's illegal. We're not paying it. Bud Dwyer, according to Vince, the chief deputy, never, ever even saw this expense report. So he was, wasn't was in the know. Uh, like, why would you bother 
this high up guy with this piddly crap. Exactly. I mean, it's such a minor thing when you're talking about state money. Could you imagine how much money the treasurer of a state has to worry about? I mean, we're talking about $1,680 versus, all right, millions are going in and out up here a day. Yeah. So so why are we going to bother him with this? We'll just deny it and move on. Exactly. Up until a reporter got a hold of this information somehow that Governor Dick Thurnborough had put that money on his expense report and wanted to be paid. Bud Dwyer was at a press conference or, or somewhere in a public setting. I'm not exactly sure about that. And a reporter asked him, and he had to respond to it. Yeah, I mean, and you're not going to respond to your own department in a negative way and go, well, I don't know anything about this because that's just lack of leadership. So, yeah, you're going you're gonna to side with the people in the know and say, yeah, well, yeah, this is... This is the reason and why. And not only that, I mean, he was stating the law. No, that's against the law. No, we're not paying that. Right. And he was correct in saying that. Exactly. Dick Thurnborough, the governor, took it a whole different way. He got all kinds of pissed off. And he actually blamed Bud Dwyer for personally attacking him in the press. Personally attacking him and his wife. Guinea. It might be Jenny, but I want to keep you saying Guinea. Guinea. I mean, Guineason. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> I have to throw some little privacy. Yeah, there, it's right? all good. <laughs> and then Vince Yakowitz, he claims that, I believe it was Vince who said that, that Governor Dick Thurnborough said after all this happened. So he's pissed at Bud Dwyer for going public against him, saying basically saying that the governor was cheating the people of Pennsylvania. So Dick's all kind of pissed off, right? And he, right. he's blaming Bud Dwyer. And the governor says, according to, I believe it is Vince, like I said, he said, I'm going to get that fast son of a bitch if it's the last thing I do. Now... Enter the trifecta. Now, here we go. Yeah. CTA. This is what it really all comes down to. Computer Technology Associates. Commodore 64. This is, yeah, early 80s, man. Early 80s. All right, you ready to get weird again? (laughs) Let's get weird, bro. You know how I look weird. So, John Toquato Jr. is the president of Computer Technology Associates. Correct. Um, his father, John R. Tequato Sr., had actually served as a Cambria County Democratic chairman for 36 years before his 1978 conviction on charges of extortion and conspiracy. And what he would do is he would make companies give him kickbacks, right, to obtain contracts for road, or road work from the State Department of Transportation. Oddly enough, who put him in jail? Uh, the governor. Governor Dick Thurnborough put John R. Tequato Sr. in jail. Hmm. Sounds like George W. Bush. Uh, well, George H. W. Bush is actually in this story somewhere, too. Just wait for it. 
Yeah. Oh, I know. I'm, getting, I'm sorry. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing, people. Foreshadowing. So now, John Tequato Jr. We're just going to call him John Jr. from now on because that name is too hard to say. He's run. John J. Yeah, John J. We can go with that. He's John he's J. running this company called the Computer Technology Associates, right? So. Correct. There's a deal on the table for teachers who have overpaid in the FICO or Social Security, right, for sick leave and all this other stuff, right? I think it was 400 or 600 different school districts. I forget what it was throughout the state of Pennsylvania. What they wanted to do, this CTA, they came up with a program where one person could do the work of 30,000 people, apparently, right? And they could bring this money back from the federal government and repay the teachers their lost wages. This is it's super complicated, but that's basically the end of it. Now, right. CTA would get paid, though. If they got the contract, they would receive about $4.6 million. This is 1980s. Whole, whole lot of money, right? So, and computers are really still coming of age, right, at this time. Like you said, like Commodore 64 is, right? But he, could, he, he had this figured out. Apparently, he had a good plan. But he's also described as a guy, John Jay, right? John Tequato Jr. Yeah. Was described as a guy who would rather bribe you than tell you the truth. Even though that he didn't have to bribe you. Like, if you, he went with the truth, he'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's how, but that's how people knew him. But it's kind of, that's why I brought up his father earlier. It's kind of like a family history, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, did yeah, I mean, did he learn this like the the way that he did things? Was it paternal? We're gonna get to that too in a second, maybe, because Bud said something about that. And I'll, I'll hope, hopefully, I'll remember that. All right, now let's remember Bud Dwyer was a Republican. John. Tuquato Jr. and his whole family were Democrats. So John Jay, he thought the only way a Republican treasurer will ever talk to me is if I have a Republican buddy who can go talk to him first. Now enter this guy named William Smith. Sidebar. Yeah. But, you know... I know where we're going with this, but I also want to point out that Dwyer was very well known from taking any phone call from any constituent. You know the word I'm getting Yeah, that lived in his area. Dude, I'll take your personal phone call. Yeah. I'll help you out. I will do this. I mean, he was known for helping people with his with their mortgages. I mean, come on. Who calls and says, hey – councilman or hey treasurer i need help with my mortgage with this bank but he would listen to them and then go to the bank and say hey what can we do that is a true statement that is a very true statement and that but specifically when he was in the general assembly people that were in his district and then at that point people in the state of pennsylvania the computer associates was based out of california so they had no clue. I think that's. I think that played a part in it with Torquat or John Jay, as we like to call him. That because they they didn't they did not know the man. Right, 
But they had this guy named William Smith. Mm-hmm. William Smith was a buddy of Bud Dwyer. All right? And even better, but oh, William Smith was a Democrat. Who was a probe with a yeah. Republican? So, had a Democrat go into a Republican, who, which Bud was, and William Smith would go to Bud and kind of try to get this deal going for Torquat, for John Jay, right? Right. Now, we said earlier that John Jay would rather bribe you than tell you the truth. So John Jay tells William Smith, go to the treasurer, Bud Dwyer, and offer him $300,000. You know the key words he said. Go to the treasurer. Like, I have never met him. Yeah, I don't know if they ever met. I couldn't find anything where they had met. But I, but to the disposition of rhetoric, it sounds as if. That, that they hadn't, yeah. He has no idea who this man is. He just knows that's the guy who has to sign the contract. Exactly. So, I mean, they're going to make, if, if, the, if CTA gets this contract, like I said before, $4.6 million, right? Now, William Smith, who's also a lawyer, he says, he, he told John Jay, we don't, we don't need to do that. If we go to him and we tell him, look, this is what we can do. 30,000 people's jobs can be done by one person. And we get all this money back for these teachers. And we beat the competition's price because we already have the programs there. Why do we have to bribe him? I mean, it's a win-win. Yeah. Tequato says, go bribe him. William Smith starts off with this, well, contribution crap, right? He doesn't say bribe. He says contribution. Keyword, people. Keyword. <laughs> now, William Smith starts saying, eh, eh, like I said, he's the him and the ha, and I don't really want to. I don't really want to. Now John Jay goes to William Smith's wife, Judy Smith, and says, basically, look, talk to him. Get him, get William to go to Bud Dwyer and offer him the $300,000. So we get this contract. Now, you've been married. I'm married. We all know if your wife starts nagging you about something, what's going to happen? You're going to cave because you want the bullshit to end. <laughs> Eventually, yeah, right? <laughs> so now William Smith has Torquat or John Jay, right? Just blah, 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 blah every day in his ear. Did you bribe him? Did you bribe him? Did you bribe him? He's got his wife coming in from the other side going, hey, honey, I think you should do what John Jay said and just go offer him the money. Go offer him the money. According to William Smith, the lawyer for the CTA, right? He says he goes to Bud Dwyer's office. And says, look, I don't know how to tell you this, but my client, he doesn't even say John Jay, he says, my client, the CTA, would like to make a $300,000 contribution to you if they receive the contract to recover the FICA and Social Security money for the Teachers Association. But, side note, he also states, I'm sure you don't want this. According to William Smith. Of course. Yeah. And then he says, Bud responded by saying, ah, sounds good to me. Now, his daughter, Bud, Bud Dwyer's daughter, says there's no way that her father would have done this. If you would have seen how he dressed, she says, you would have known he didn't give two craps about money. 
and I saw some pictures of them. Of course, 1970s and 1980s. Even then, it was probably out of style. Didn't drive flashy cars. Had a decent house. So I don't, I don't know if that's true or not is what I'm getting at. Right. But now John Jay, right? He's a freaking raging, stupid alcoholic. And what do they do? They start bragging. I met one of those the other night. I am one of those. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> but he goes, he goes around. John Jay starts going telling people, hey, I, I got the treasurer of the state of Pennsylvania in my pocket. Offered him 300 grand. All mine, all mine, all mine. Now, John Jay's kind of a player because anybody who can offer 300000 and is getting ready to get a $4.6 million contract has probably got a couple connections, right? Right. So there's company around him that hear him, and then they report this information to the FBI. Well, being the FBI, of course they're interested, right? They get some warrants. They come break down some doors. They go into John Jay's house. On the computer is information like notes, basically saying, "Hey, make sure the three hundred thousand goes to Bud. Talk to Bill." I don't know exactly what the notes said, but they were more or less notes, right? Then the government, the federal government, starts looking at this and says, "We got to do something about this Bud Dwyer guy, and this William Smith guy, and this John Jay guy, right?" Now comes the governor again. Mm. Now, Governor Dick Thurnborough is still freaking pissed off about his $1,600 that he had to pay out of his pocket, right? Oh, Crimea River. So he calls up the Reagan administration and gets them to appoint his good buddy, which I think I mentioned earlier, James, U.S. Attorney James West, or his nickname, Jimmy the Weasel, yeah. to become the prosecutor Against all these people. Now, he goes after William Smith, the lawyer for CTA, right? James West does. Right. Uh, William Smith gets 12 years after all the, the case is done and over with, right? He's going to tell him he's going to convict his wife. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? So William uh, Will Smith knows he's... Will Smith. I just caught that. Will Smith going to jail for 12 years. <laughs> so... Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So Will Smith, now I can't stop saying it. William Smith knows he's going to jail for 12 years. He's got a couple little kids at home. And he's already admitted on the stand at this point to bribing Bud Dwyer, according to him. For me to get up there as a lawyer and lie on the stand wasn't very easy to do. And the only justification I had for it and still have for it is that they lied so badly against me and they were doing their very best to convict me with these lies. And I think that Wes knew about, knew they were lies, too. He knew Torquato was lying. So James West tells William Smith he's going to get his wife put in jail. At the same time, John J. Torquat, the president of the CTA, is telling William Smith, look, you keep messing about the whole time during this trial. You keep messing about. You're going to come home and find your son dead in your swimming pool. So he's scared of John Jay. He's scared of James West. He's got kids at home. All he wants to do is keep his wife home safe. Right? So what are you going to do? You're going to cave. You're going to cave. Exactly. And basically all James West wanted William Smith to do, the lawyer for the CTA, is to go to Bud Dwyer 
I say, look, bud, resign, resign, and that's it. That's the end of it. Over and done with. So he does. William Smith goes to Bud, and he goes, look, we're all going to get screwed on this deal. John Jay, they got information on him. They got his computer. I've already testified. You're going to get screwed. The best thing for you to do is resign. Bud looks at him and goes, nope. Why should I? I haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. Who the fuck are you, by the way? Yeah, I mean, he had met him before, but he's like, no, no deal. We'll take our chances, right? So now they go to court. And it's one of the most boring court cases ever. Absolutely. It's about computers. It's about taxes. It's about money in and here and accounts and whatever. I know nobody really pays attention to it. And Except for one person. Yeah. Uh, and apparently the judge was known as a hanging judge. So basically if you went before him, you're done anyway. And uh, even William Smith said it was like having two prosecutors in the room at the same time. Sadly, I don't remember his name. But after all this, yeah, yeah so, the you know, the grand jury's already been made. They indict Bud Dwyer. Then they go to the court, and eventually Bud Dwyer gets found guilty for bribery, for accepting a bribe. Then directly after that, and that seems like such a small thing to say, right? But that's the important part. Right. So... After his his whole world is crumbling, like Bud Wires. I mean, he's it's just ridiculous, you know. I mean, I mean, what 20, 23, 24 and a half years at the top and doing right and doing good and implementing things that save people money. And now this. Yeah. So Governor Dick Thurnborough comes out, of course, and praised the prosecution of the case that his good buddy had made. Oh, what was that name again? Thurnborough? Thurnborough, yeah. Dick Thurnborough. Thurnborough. Yeah. Yeah. The same governor that was pissed at him before that put his good buddy in charge of the case. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Starting to get a little crazy. Right, if you're tracking with me on all this, right? Now, Bud had been working for the state as a school teacher. Started out as a school teacher since he was twenty in his early twenties as a young man. That means he'd had a pension, a state pension, this entire time. Years and years and years and years and years as a state official, he had been building this pension up so he could retire. It was somewhere around a million, million and a quarter dollars that he had built up in his pension fund. So now he's been found guilty. Up until this point, he does not lose his pension. The second, by law, that he is sentenced, he loses his pension. Yeah, it's gone. Bye-bye. It's all gone, yeah. He had already been found guilty. He knows he's, he's going to jail. It took four days, though. For the jury. Right. To figure it out, yeah. But he, he's already, so he's been found guilty for corruption and bribery. So he knows he's going to jail. He just doesn't know how long. Now, this is in December of 86 that he was found guilty. He's, right. He should be sentenced in um, January of 87. 
right? So he starts thinking to himself, what, what can I do? How does this work? How's this whole pension thing work? So he starts typing and learning and figuring things out. He know he learns if he if he if something was to happen to him before his sentence, his family would still receive his pension of the million dollars. So, on January twenty second, nineteen eighty seven, Bud Dwyer calls a press conference. Everyone is expecting for him to resign at that time, right? At this point, yeah. But Eric, that never happened. No, it didn't. And there's only one way. There's only one way you can really understand this. So right now, I'm going to play for you every bit of audio I can have and let you hear it for yourself. But it is in the long term, and more important to the American people, and the survival of our former government. I would also urge you and your media employers to work for the repeal of the death penalty, unless the test would be absolutely no doubt. I regret that on several occasions, when I was a member of the legislature, that I voted for the death penalty. As a result of what has happened to me, in this case, I am convinced that innocent people have been found guilty and have been executed. And two weeks ago, if you saw 60 Minutes, they discussed the Neil Ferber case in Philadelphia, uh, which, where a person was convicted of murder and was on death row, and then was finally discovered he did not commit the, that murder. Around the turn of the century, the muckraking journalist Lincoln Steffens authored the book, The Shame of the Cities. His book was largely responsible for much needed improvement in the living conditions and working conditions of the slum dwellers in America's cities. Lincoln Steffen's journalistic goal was, quote, to see if the shameful facts spread out in all their shame would not burn through our civic shamelessness and set fire to American pride, close quote. Perhaps what America needs most now is another Lincoln Steffens, an author who will write a best-selling book entitled The Shame of Our Law. As my political career draws to a close, I want to thank the people who made it possible, beginning with the good people of Crawford County, who in 1964 had the faith to elect a 24-year-old as the youngest member of the General Assembly, and then the people of Crawford, Mercer, and Eastern Erie Counties, who in 1970 elected me to the State Senate, thanks to the voters of Pennsylvania, who elected me treasurer in 1980, and in 1984 saw through the sham of the CT allegations and re-elected me by a margin of 310,000 votes. In all, I participated successfully in eight primary elections, eight general elections, and one election for delegate to the Republican National Convention, which was my personal bicentennial project. And I'm on the last page now, and I don't have enough to pass out, but Duke, I'll leave this here, and you can make copies uh, for the people. There's, there's a few extra copies here right now. I thank the good Lord for giving me 47 years of exciting challenges, stimulating experiences, many happy occasions, and most of all, the finest wife and children any man could ever desire. Now my life has changed for no apparent reason. People who call and write are exasperated and feel helpless. They know I'm innocent and want to help. But in this nation, the world's greatest democracy, there is nothing they can do to prevent me from being punished for a crime they know I did not commit. Some who have called have said I am a modern-day Job. Judge Muir is also noted for his medieval sentences. I face a maximum sentence of 55 years in prison on a $300,000 fine for being innocent. Judge Muir has already told the press that he, quote, felt invigorated when we were found guilty, and he plans to imprison me as a deterrent to other public officials. But it wouldn't be a deterrent because every public official who knows me knows that I am innocent. It wouldn't be a legitimate punishment because I've done nothing wrong. Since I'm a victim of political persecution, my prison would simply be an American gulag. I ask those that believe in me to continue to extend friendship and prayer to my family, to work untiringly for the creation of a true justice system here in the United States, and to press on with the efforts to vindicate me so that my family and their future families are not tainted by this injustice that has been perpetrated on me. 
We were confident that right and truth would prevail, and I would be acquitted, and we would devote the rest of our lives working to create a justice system here in the United States. The guilty verdict has strengthened that resolve. But as we've discussed our plans to expose the warts of our legal system, people have said, why bother? No one cares. You'll look foolish. 60 Minutes, 2020, the American Civil Liberties Union, Jack Anderson, and others have been publicizing cases like yours for years, and it doesn't bother anyone. At this point in time, Bob Holsey here. Bob. Where's Greg? Can you come up here? And where's Don Johnson? Can you come up, Don? Greg, where are you? I'm right here. Okay. Just hang on to that right for the moment. Don, there's some things for you to do and it's a note in here for Joanne. Okay. When I and I No, 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 no. Please, please leave the room if this will if this will affect you. Don't panic, please. President of the company CTA, John Taquata Jr., received four years in prison for conspiring to bribe a public official. William Smith, the lawyer for CTA, received a 12-year prison sentence. James West, the prosecutor, started his own law firm, but oddly enough, even after Bud was found guilty, he admits that Bud never even received the money, but says that the intent was there to accept the money. In 1988, President Ronald Reagan appointed Governor Thurnborough as the United States Attorney General, and he was retained in office after for President George W. Bush. Thurnborough was sworn into office after unanimous confirmation by the United States Senate and served three years as Attorney General from 1988 to 91. Thurnborough served one year appointment as Undersecretary General of the United Nations from 92 to 93 at the personal request of President Bush. Bud Dwyer died by a self inflicted gunshot wound on January 22, 1987. If you want to hear what I think from what you just said, it's so screwed up. It sounds very uh, intertwined, doesn't it? Very Reagan, Bush, Governor. The guy, the guy that was basically the cause of it all. And the, and the more and more that we devil into this and dude, Dwyer's innocent. If he was not innocent. Who would sacrifice their life? If he had a guilty conscience, a guilty mind, you know, he, he wouldn't just off himself. But no, it, it, his last thoughts are, I need to make sure my family is preserved, which when you boil down to it as a human being, that's what you do. You protect your family. Yep. He offs himself to protect his family, which is the ultimate sacrifice. But then this John Jay who's the cause of it all, who's known to be a liar, who's known to be grown up around criminals, that, you know, th this is his life breeding, is to con, basically, people, 
gets off with four years. Four years for the mastermind. Life sentence or no life for the guy who knew shit. Yeah. That's that's where my thoughts lead, and that's where I I, I really want to dig into it. It's very sad. And the, the governor Dick Thurnbull is actually credited for balancing the budget of the state of Pennsylvania and doing all this great stuff. Uh, yeah, we see how they're doing. Yeah, but at the time, uh, Bud Dwyer was treasurer. He's Bud Dwyer is kind of the reason they started this computer installation because at the time, early seventies, or excuse me, late seventies, early eighties is when this computer thing really started happening. So I mean, wouldn't you say because of Dwyer? All this shit got implemented anyway. Yeah, but he was found guilty, so he doesn't get the credit. Right. Scenario there. A lot of people said, a lot of people in his hometown and, and neighboring hometowns that knew him said, yeah, we really thought he'd be governor. I think he would have been. I mean, he had the support of the people. And going back to a previous comment that I said, as a man, that's a big wig. That, honestly, what do we mean to him? In the grand scheme of things, we're just we're ants on a hill. Yep. But he would take those calls, regardless, and help people because that that was his public office. You know, it, it, yeah, I may be this, I may be that, but I'm here for you, and that's what he did. And now all of a sudden, he's the criminal. Come on, it's ridiculous, ridiculous. So anyway. Let's do some thank yous, hi huh, Eric. Hey Dave. <laughs> and Steve. Where is Dave, by the way? Dave? Dave? Are you there, Dave? Oh no, no. Dave, Dave is Dave not there. <laughs> Still waiting on Dave to come in my mailbox. He should be here any week now. I've only been waiting five years. Yeah. So let's thank Folka for doing all the great graphics on the show. Uh Tom Slam for the music that we use every once in a while. I love it. Uh, let's see. Tom Slam, baby. Vanessa for helping us do some research work uh, work and uh, doing some audio stuff. Research. Re- re- research. Let me say that again. Vanessa for helping us do some research and uh, audio work on the show. As always, Eric, did I say thank you already? <laughs> thank you, Eric. And uh, let's see Tom Bishop for uh, computer stuff when we make stuff broke. Yeah, Tom, I don't know you, but I love you anyway. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully one day soon. Um, Sweevil Rose brought it. Ah, some stuff. <laughs> yeah, then uh, we'll see you next time. Peace! Right. Wow. Right. Wow. Shut up, Steve. <laughs>